0: Book 2. Chapter 6. Of The World's Desire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marcel D. Ward. TheSoulExpands.com. The World's Desire. By H. Rider Haggard. Book 2. Chapter 6. The Wardens of the Gate. The clamor swelled or sank, and the men called or cried the names of many women, some dead, some lost. Others were mute, silent in the presence of the world's desire, silent as when we see lost faces in a dream. The wanderer had looked once and then cast down his eyes and stood with his face hidden in his hands. He alone waited and strove to think the rest were abandoned to the bewilderment of their passions and their amaze what was it that he had seen that which he had sought his whole life long sought by sea and land not knowing what he sought for this he had wandered with a hungry heart and now was the hunger of his heart to be appeased between him and her was the unknown barrier and the invisible death was he to pass the unmarked boundary to force those guarded gates and achieve where all had failed had a magic deceived his eyes did he look but on a picture and a vision that some art could call again from the haunted place of memory he sighed and looked again lo In his charmed sight, a fair girl seemed to stand upon the pylon brow, and on her head she bore a shining urn of bronze. He knew her now. He had seen her thus at the court of King Tyndarius, as he drove in his chariot through the fort of Eurytus. Thus he had seen her also in the dream on the silent isle. Again he sighed, and again he looked, now in his charmed sight a woman sat whose face was the face of the girl grown more lovely far but sad with grief and touched with shame he saw her and he knew her so he had seen her in troy towers when he stole thither in a beggar's guise from the camp of the achaeans so he had seen her when she saved his life in ilios again he sighed and again he looked and now he saw the golden hill she stood upon the pylon's brow she stood with arms outstretched with eyes upturned and on her shining face there was a smile like the infinite smile of the dawn oh now indeed he knew the shape that was beauty's self the innocent spirit of love sent on earth by the undying gods to be the doom and the delight of men to draw them through the ways of strife to the unknown end. A while the golden Helen stood, thus looking up and out to the worlds beyond, to the peace beyond the strife, to the goal beyond the grave. Thus she stood while men scarce dared to breathe, summoning all to come and take that which upon the earth is guarded so invincibly. Then once more she sang, and as she sang, slowly drew herself away, till at length nothing was left of the vision of her save the sweetness of her dying song. Who wins his love shall lose her, who loses her shall gain, for still the spirit woos her, a soul without a stain and memory still pursues her, with longings not in vain. He loses her who gains her, who watches day by day, the dust of time that stains her, the griefs that leave her gray, the flesh that yet enchains her, whose grace hath passed away. O happier he who gains not, the love some seem to gain, the joy that custom stains not, shall still with him remain the loveliness that wanes not the love that ne'er can wane in dreams she grows not older the lands of dream among though all the world wax colder though all the songs be sung in dreams doth he behold her still fair and kind and young now the silence died away and again madness came upon those who had listened and looked The men without the wall once more hurled themselves against the gates, while the women clung to them, shrieking curses on the beauty of the Hathor. For the song meant nothing to these women, and their arms were about those whom they loved, and who won them their bread. Most of the men who were in the outer court rushed up to the inner gates within which stood the alabaster shrine of the Hathor. Some flung themselves upon the ground and clutched at it as in dreams men fling themselves down to be saved from falling into a pit that has no bottom yet as in such an evil slumber the dreamer is drawn inch by inch to the mouth of the pit by an unseen hand so these wretched men were dragged along the ground by the might of their own desire in vain they set their feet against the stones to hold themselves from going For they thrust forward yet more fiercely with their hands, and thus little by little drew near the inner gates, writhing forwards, yet moving backwards, like a wounded snake dragged along by a rope. For of those who thus entered the outer court and looked upon the Hathor, few might go back alive. Now the priests drew the cloths from their eyes, and rising, flung wide the second gates, and there... But a little way off, the veil of the shrine wavered as if in a wind. For now the doors beyond the veil were thrown open, as might be seen when the wind swayed its Tyrian web. And through the curtain came the sound of the same sweet singing. Draw near, draw near, cried the ancient priest. Let him who would win the Hathor draw near. Now at first, the wanderer was minded to rush on. But his desire had not wholly overcome him, nor had his wisdom left him. He took counsel with his heart and waited to let the others go and to see how it fared with them. The worshippers were now hurrying back and now darting onwards as fear and longing seized them. Till the man who was blind drew near, led by the hand of a priest, for his hound might not enter the second court of the temple. Do ye fear? he cried. Cowards I fear not. It is better to look upon the glory of the Hathor and die than to live and never see her more. Set my face straight, ye priests. Set my face straight. At the worst, I can but die. So they led him as near the curtains as they dared to go and set his face straight. Then with a great cry he rushed on. But he was caught and whirled about like a leaf in a wind, so that he fell. He rose and again rushed on, again to be whirled back. The third time he rose and rushed on, smiting with his blind man's staff, the blow fell and stayed in midair. And there came a hollow sound as of a smitten shield, and the staff that dealt the blow was shattered. Then there was a noise like the noise of clashing swords and the man instantly sank down dead, though the wanderer could see no wound upon him. Draw near, draw near, cried the priest again. This one has fallen. Let him who would win the Hathor draw near. Then the man who had fled from the host of the Apura rushed forward, crying on the lion of his tribe. Back he was hurled, and back again, but at the third time, once more, there came the sound of clashing swords, and he too fell dead. Draw near, draw near, cried the priest. Another has fallen. Let him who will win the Hathor draw near. And now man after man rushed on to be first hurled back and then slain of the clashing swords. And at length all were slain save the wanderer alone. Then the priest spake wilt thou indeed rush on to doom thou glorious man thou hast seen the fate of many be warned and turn away never did i turn from man or ghost said the wanderer and drawing his short sword he came near warily covering his head with his broad shield while the priest stood back to see him die now the wanderer had marked that none were touched till they stood at the very threshold of the doorway therefore he uttered a prayer to aphrodite and came on slowly till his feet were within a bow's length of the threshold and there he stood and listened now he could hear the very words of the song that the hathor sang as she wove at her loom so dread and sweet it was that for a while he thought no more on the guardians of the gate nor of how he might win the way nor of aught save the song for she was singing shrill and clear in his own dear tongue the tongue of the achaeans paint with threads of gold and scarlet paint the battles fought for me all the wars for Argive helen storm and sack by land or sea all the tale of loves and sorrows that have been and are to be paint her lips that like a cup have pledged the lips of heroes all Paint her golden hair unwhitened while the many winters fall. Paint the beauty that is mistress of the wide world and its thrall. Paint the storms of ships and chariots, rain of arrows flying far. Paint the waves of warfare leaping up at beauty like a star, like a star that pale and trembling hangs above the waves of war. Paint the ancient ilios fallen. Paint the flames that scaled the sky. When the foe was in the fortress, When the trumpet and the cry Rang of men in their last onset, Men whose hour had dawned to die. Woe for me once loved of all men, Me that never yet have known How to love the hearts that love me, Woe for woe who hear the moan Of my lover's ghost That perished in their cities overthrown. Is there not of gods or mortals O oh, ye guys, is there nigh one, One whose heart shall mate with my heart, One to love ere all be done, All the tales of wars that shall be For my love beneath the sun. Now the song died away, And the wanderer once more bethought him Of the wardens of the gate, And of the battle which he must fight. But as he braced himself to rush on, against the unseen foe the music of the singing swelled forth again and whether he willed it or willed it not so sweet was its magic that there he must wait till the song was done and now stronger and more gladly rang the sweet shrill voice like the voice of one who has made moan through the live long winter night and now sees the chariot of the dawn climbing the eastern sky And thus the Hathor sang. Ah, within my heart, a hunger for the love unfelt unknown, stirs at length and wakes and murmurs as a child that wakes to moan, left to sleep within some silent house of strangers and alone. So my heart awakes in waking, moans with hunger and with cold, cries in pain of dim remembrance for the joy that was of old. For the love that was, that shall be half forgotten, half foretold have i dreamed it or remembered in another world was i lived and loved in alien seasons moved beneath a golden sky in a golden clime where never came the strife of men that die but the gods themselves were jealous for our bliss was overgreat, and they brought on us division and the horror of their hate and they set the snake between us and the twining coils of fate and they said go forth and seek each other's face and only find shadows of that face ye long for dreams of days left far behind love the shadows and be loved with loves that waver as the wind once more the sweet singing died away but as the wanderer grasped his sword and fixed the broad shield upon his arm he remembered the dream of meriamun the queen which had been told him by ray the priest for in that dream twain who had sinned were made three and through many deaths and lives must seek each other's face and now it seemed that the burden of the song was the burden of the dream then he thought no more on dreams or songs or omens but only on the deadly foe that stood before him wrapped in darkness and on helen in whose arms he yet should lie for so the goddess had sworn to him in Seagirt, Ithaca. He spoke no word, he named no god, but sprang forward as a lion springs from his bed of reeds. And lo, his buckler clashed against shields that barred the way, and invisible arms seized him to hurl him back. But no weakling was the wanderer, thus to be pushed aside by magic. But the stoutest man left alive in the whole world now that. Ajax, Telamon's son, was dead. The priests wandered, as they saw how he gave back never a step for all the might of the wardens of the gate, but lifted his short sword and hewed down so terribly that fire leapt from the air where the short sword fell, the good short sword of Uralis the Fascian then came the clashing of the swords and from all the golden armor that once the godlike paris wore a from buckler helm and greaves and breastplate the sparks streamed up as they streamed from the anvil of the smith when he smites great blows on swords made white with fire swift as hell fell the blows of the unseen blaze upon the golden armor but he who wore it took no harm nor was it so much as marked with the din of the swords so while the priests wondered at this miracle, the viewless wardens of the gate smote at the wanderer, and the wanderer smote at them again. Then of a sudden he knew this, that they who barred the path were gone, for no more blows fell, and his sword only cut the air. Then he rushed on and passed behind the veil and stood within the shrine, but as the curtain swung behind him, the singing rose again upon the air and he might not move but stood fixed with his eyes gazing where far up a loom was set within the shrine but the sound of the singing came from behind the great web gleaming in the loom the sound of the song of helen as she heard the swords clash and the ringing of the harness of those whose knees were loosened in death it was thus she sang clamor of iron on iron and shrieking of steel upon steel Hark how they echo again. Life with the dead is at war, and the mortals are shaken and real. The living are slain by the slain. Clamor of iron on iron, like music that chimes with a song. So with my life doth it chime, and my footsteps must fall in the dance of Uranus, a revel of wrong, to the day of the passing of time. Ghosts of the dead that have loved me, your love have been vanquished of death. But unvanquished of death is your hate, say. Is there none that may woo me and win me of all that draw breath? Not one, but is envied of fate. Now the song died, and the wanderer looked up, and before him stood three shadows of mighty men clad in armor. He gazed upon them and he knew the blazons painted on their shields. He knew them for heroes long dead, Perithus, Theseus, and Ajax. They looked upon him and then cried with one voice, Hail to thee, Odysseus of Ithaca, son of Laertes. Hail to thee, cried the wanderer, Theseus, Aegeus' son. Once before didst thou go down into the house of Hades, and alive thou camest forth again. Hast thou crossed yet again the stream of ocean, and dost thou live in the sunlight? For of old I sought thee, and found thee not in the house of Hades. The semblance of Theseus answered, In the house of Hades I abide this day, and in the fields of Asphodel, but that thou seest is a shadow, sent forth by Queen Persephone to be the guard of the beauty of Helen. Hail to thee! Pyrethus, Ixion's son, cried the wanderer again, hast thou yet won the dread Persephone to be thy love? And why doth Hades give his rival holiday to wander in the sunlight? For of old I sought thee, and found thee not in the house of Hades. Then the semblance of Perithus answered, In the house of Hades I dwell this day, and that thou seest is but a shadow, which goes with the shadow of the hero Theseus. For where he is, I am I, and where he goes, I go. And our very shadows are not sundered, but we guard the beauty of Helen. Hail to thee, Ajax, Telamon's son, cried the wanderer. Hast thou not forgotten thy wrath against me for the sake of those accursed arms that I won from thee, the arms of Achilles, son of Peleus? for of old in the house of hades i spoke to thee but thou wouldst not answer one word so heavy was thine anger then the semblance of Ajax made answer with iron upon iron and the stroke of bronze on bronze would i answer thee if i were yet a living man and looked upon the sunlight but i smite with a shadowy spear and slay none but men foredoomed and I am the shade of Ajax who dwells in Hades. Yet the queen Persephone sent me forth to be the guard of the beauty of Helen. Then the wanderer spake, Tell me, ye shadows of the sons of heroes, is the way closed and do the gods forbid it? Or may I, that am yet a living man, pass forward and gaze on that ye guard, on the beauty of Helen? Then each of The three nodded with his head, and smote once upon his shield, saying, Pass by, but look not back upon us, till thou hast seen thy desire. Then the wanderer went by into the innermost chamber of the alabaster shrine. Now when the shadows had spoken thus, they grew dim and vanished, and the wanderer, as they had commanded, drew slowly up on the alabaster shrine, till at length he stood on the hither side of the web upon the loom it was a great web wide and high and hid all the innermost recesses of the shrine here he waited not knowing how he should break in upon the hathor as he stood wondering thus his buckler slipped from his loosened hand and clashed upon the marble floor and as it clashed the voice of the hathor took up the broken song and thus She sang ever more sweetly. Ghosts of the dead that have loved me, your love has been vanquished by death, but unvanquished by death is your hate. Say, is there none that may woo me and win me of all that draw breath? Not one but is envied of fate, none that may pass you unwounded, unscathed of invisible spears. By the splendor of Zeus there is one. And he comes, and my spirit is touched as Demeter is touched by the tears of the spring and the kiss of the sun. For he comes, and my heart that was chill as a lake in the season of snow is molten and glows as with fire. And the love that I knew not is born, and he laughs in my heart, and I know the name in the flame of desire. As a flame I am kindled, a flame that is blown by a wind from the north by a wind that is deadly with cold and the hope that awoke in me faints for the love that is born shall go forth to my love and shall die as a old. now the song sobbed itself away but the heart of the wanderer echoed to its sweetness as a lyre moans and thrills when the hand of the striker is lifted from the strings for a while he stood thus hidden by the web upon the loom while his limbs shook like the leaves of the tall poplar and his face turned white as turned the poplar leaves then desire overcame him in a longing he could not master to look upon the face of her who sang and he seized the web upon the loom and rent it with a great rending noise so that it fell down on either side of him and the gold coils rippled at his feet end of book two chapter six According by Marcel D. Ward, thesoulexpands.com.